Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of the Momentum Focus Podcast. In today's episode, actually the next two episodes, I get a chance to sit down with um, fellow wellness leaders um, in the way that we know that there's a call on our lives to see to it that women are living well. So you're going to get this episode and a bonus. So catch this one and catch the one that comes right after it um, to fill up your cup. If you've been here for any amount of time, you have heard me talk about the image of a cup that God has used to remind me of how we are taking care of ourselves, that it's not just the outside of the cup that matters, but the inside that we get to tend to. So I hope that this episode um, and the coming episodes will assist you in adjusting your focus and to think about what you have been thinking about until we get a chance to sit face-to-face with each other, whether across a video screen or in person, I pray that this is a blessing to you. Be well. Um, so the, the, like I said, the basis of this podcast has just been that just a honest conversation between two women about what God is doing, um, to them and through them, um, Mm -hmm. and how just what, what he's been talking to us about, because sometimes I don't know, I'll be in the middle of washing dishes or cooking dinner and have really good conversations and, I'm like, man, why didn't I record that? You know? (laughs) Um, So at any rate, that's what, that's what we'll do today is really, and the heart behind the podcast is an opportunity for me to hand over the microphone in a space that God has given me um, Mm -hmm. to give other women a voice, wherever your platform might be, whether you're an author or a school teacher or a mom or whatever, whoever your audience is, God has asked me to give you another audience to speak to. And so this has been wholeheartedly an act of kindness and obedience, kindness to him, to me, and then Mm -hmm. me to anybody that I invite on this space. I pray that it's accepted as a kind gesture. (laughs) Um, And it's never, it's never been a, a thing of like, let's push an agenda ever. But it has been a healing space because when we say um, adjust your focus, Mm -hmm. um, I actually just did a meditation on, I don't think I released it yet, but a meditation on what does it mean to adjust your focus? And it's not a finger wagging. You need to get yourself together. Think straighter, Mm -hmm. you know, stop thinking like that. It's more of a, Hey, let's reconsider how we look at this. Let's pay attention to what we've been paying attention to. And maybe after we've talked about this, it helps you see things differently. It helps you see things more clearly. It helps you see things from a different perspective, knowing that God cares about you and he wants the best for you. And that there are people who, more people who are for you than people against you. Absolutely. So that's the whole hashtag adjust your focus. 
<laughs> so um, I'm going to go ahead and start the podcast officially. Um, okay. So today we have on the episode um, another sister in Christ who is doing great work um, to support other women um, just in the work of being well and helping people bring clarity to their purpose and hearing from God. Um, I just, the way I came across um, the opportunity to bring her on the show, she had posted something and I immediately was, my response was, she's my people. This, this, <laughs> this is my people right here. Um, and I can't even say like, I've known her for this many years and we just knew, nope, it was a for sure Holy Spirit highlighted and said, you need to bring her on this podcast because she has plenty to say and share with people in a way that you have never even considered saying it. So um, I'm going to let my guest, uh, Michelle Van, introduce herself officially. So tell us, Michelle, um, where are you and what do you do? Um, and something that God's talking to you about right now concerning women and their wellness. Um, so I'm in Valley Center, Kansas, which is a suburb right outside of Wichita, which has in the southern part of Kansas, almost in Oklahoma. We're about an hour from the Oklahoma border. Um, what I do in the world, I'm a, I'm a coach. So I uh, coach women to uh, spaces and places of clarity, helping them shift their mindsets, help them uh, develop that confidence so that they can begin to take charge of their own life. Um, I use wellness, health and wellness as a, as a way to have those conversations because when we are healthy mind, body, and spirit, we are much uh, more or less reluctant to go into the spaces and places that we need to uh, tend to uh, what I see is when we're not healthy in one area or the other, when we're out of balance and um, we are moving in spaces and places that aren't necessarily our God-given vision and passion. Uh, we, we, we spin our wheels. And so I, I, I do a lot to help women begin to figure those pieces out. I have a nonprofit called Sisters Can We Talk? Uh, we help to fill the gaps and social disparities of health for women. And um, I write books and preach a little bit every now and then. And Kind of just See, this is y'all. This is why she's my people. <laughs> yeah. I wish you could uh, see yeah, my face. I, my cheeks hurt from smiling so big. <laughs> we uh we met with Revelation Wellness, and um, for me, you know, I was not ever really that that girl. I wasn't that fitness girl. Um, but to be able to pair wellness with the gospel to me was just like. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And right. so I'm able to really utilize a lot of that, um, those materials to really help women as they get to those spaces and places of clarity. And what God has really been talking to me about, I'm always talking about purpose and passion. Those are always the things that I'm always going to be talking about. What is your purpose? What is your passion? What are the things that God is speaking to you about? What is your vision? And how are you going to go about uh, facilitating that? But right now, um, Matter of fact, on Saturday, just had this whole piece of womb healing. Mm. And I know that sometimes um, in the body of Christ, when we hear things like womb healing and 
Um, you know, we go to spaces and places that are metaphysical and we go, oh, that's got to be the devil. Well, everybody, every woman came from a womb. That's the difference between a woman and a man is the womb. <laughs> that's she's a woman. She's a womb man. Come on. And so the whole piece of us is that we have this womb, but we have been traumatized in this womb. Hmm. We were traumatized. Uh, many of us, um, whether it was the things that were happening while we were still in our mom's in our mother's wombs, or if not, you know, the whole idea that we've slept, we've been in this place for nine months, we've been in this comfortable space yet now on month number nine, we are ejected hmm. from this place. We are, uh, evicted from this place and space that has been warm, that has been comfortable, that has fed us, that has nurtured us. And we've been kicked out into this big wide world that is loud, that is noisy, that is cold, that is, that is hot sometimes, that is devoid of, of, of all of the comfort of which we've become accustomed to. Hmm. And so that piece is trauma. And so how do we process through these traumas and how do we deal with the things that God is calling us to do and that purpose and that passion and how do we birth this baby? Hmm. So we had this conversation of birthing babies and do we have midwives? Do we have doulas in the spirit that are ready and there and willing to, to sit with us and to sing with us and to pray with us and to bring us through the water and to bring us into these spaces and places that are significant for us to be at, in places of healing. And so that's really where I'm sitting right now, just this place of how do we help women process through what does that womb look like? Because mm -hmm. I can't speak for you, but I'm at a place where I ain't trying to have no more baby. Right. I'm like, my baby's about to be 20. So <laughs> that part, my baby's 27. Okay. I don't want any more physical babies, right. but how do I get healed? How is my womb healed so that those spiritual babies that I'm supposed to birth are not aborted, are not miscarried, are not coming through the same canal of trauma that I was and so that's really where I'm at right now of just how do we how do we heal these spaces and places wow I mean let's just stay there for a second because we the, the conversation that we've been having um, is about core values and I was literally I was driving the other day and asking God how do you help someone establish their core values and I love the way you can have a thought and mid thought God comes in with a thought where he's mm -hmm. like, well, that's because, and you're like, I didn't even, I wasn't, that's not, he's like, that's where you were going with this. So let's just go ahead and set it straight. <laughs> and he kind of, he redirected me and said, well, you have to back up and realize that if like, if I was to give someone a list of core values, like just random words and said, okay, pick a core value. Most people would be overwhelmed by the possibility of how many to choose. Right. So they, they would not know, well, I don't know which ones are mine because I, I don't want to pick the wrong one. Right? right. Or they don't even know where to begin. And so this is where God redirected me. And he said, people can't, people don't know what their core value is. If they don't know, if they don't understand their core beliefs or their core beliefs have been tattered, you know, tainted or broken or abused or you know, if, if one of your core values 
if one person's core value is authenticity, mm-hmm. your lived experience with authenticity, quote unquote, might be so bruised that when someone says that word, you're like, nobody's authentic. Everybody's a joke. Yeah. Everybody's performing. It's all a conspiracy, right? right. Um, so he, so he literally backed me up and said, it, it ties with their purpose. If they don't know their purpose, they can't establish core values. And if they can't, you know what I mean? And it's a cycle. And to hear you say like this spiritual birthing and, tr- and even spiritual trauma Right. of healing the womb. I literally wrote on my piece of paper when you said womb man, I drew an arrow dropping the B and I'm going to come back to that in a second. Cause I am a, I'm not a linguist, but I believe in the power of understanding words. And I believe I, in understanding what we know as the English alphabet came from somewhere else and all those letters have a meaning. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a whole other episode, but it's gonna come into an episode because even when you said womb man and then you said how do we birth this baby and just that letter b like Mm -hmm. it's a whole other thing um but i want to i want to pause there for a second and even just the work that you're doing with sisters can we talk and the disparities of health like all of that comes into if women don't know that they can be well, that there's mm. something not, there's something unwell in them. A, if they don't know that there's something unwell, if they don't know that they can be well, and they don't know that healing is available to them. I literally said on, on Saturday, freedom is here, but you have to choose to be unbound. Because mm. there's a piece in which Sometimes, again, going back to that womb, because that womb is so small, because that womb is so tight, we're used to, I mean, and and we did it as moms when we got, when we brought those babies and we would, you know, papoose tie them uh, so that our babies would be snugged back so that they would, you know, stop crying and they would go to sleep. Well, there's a piece in the spirit where, because we have been in this nurtured place, that if we're not careful, we will choose that bondage over freedom because the bondage gives us boundaries Mm. Mm. and because those boundaries at least I and you hear women all the time especially ones that are in abusive situations well at least I know this crazy at least I know what I know what he's gonna do I know that if I do this 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 and this I'm you know yes I might get beat or yes this might happen but I know the boundary of which I'm in and they choose that bondage versus the freedom i mean the the end that is the antithesis of the boundary lines have fallen for me on pleasant places like that's complete opposite of what a boundary is right like what a just like i said just a tainted twisted the enemy starting with eve saying is that what god really said to you exactly did he really tell you that you're, you know, fill in the blank? Um, my word, I just want to hand you the mic and just say go because it, it's <laughs> this the beauty of knowing that it's available to us 
there's a beauty of knowing that it's available. There's also a beauty in knowing that we have the ability to choose. Mm -hmm. But if mm -hmm. we don't know what it looks like because we've been so comfortable, uh -huh. there's a huge risk of, then who am I going to be? So how exactly. does, for the woman that says, that sounds great, but like, this is who I've been for the last, since I was born. Right. And this is who I saw my mom be. Mm. And this is who I saw my aunties be and my grandma. And so this is the pattern that I have set before me. And I will tell you that for me personally, uh, probably 2014, 13, I started going through this process, this journey that I, I, I kind of coined it as my journey of really discovering who I was and where, because for so long I had done all of these things. You know, my father was a pastor. Uh, my uncles are pastors. You know, it's, it's this piece of, we, we go into these patterns and we go into these, um, these uh, ideologies, if we will, mm -hmm. about who we're supposed to be. We're uh, checking off all the boxes for everyone else. And I was listening to a speaker and he said, you know, at the end of the day, you know, everybody else, you know, everything about everybody else, because you've studied everybody else, but you have never taken the time to study yourself. And I began to get in this journey of trying to figure out who I really was and what I was really supposed to do, because I had done all of these things for everybody else. And I had checked all the marks and done all the things because this is what I was supposed to do according to my lot in life mm. yet I was not finding myself being at a place where I was being fulfilled and so, so how then does a person that wants to if I'm like I'm listening I'm like yes and amen where do you start that so might be a loaded question but like where no, do you know and that's that was exactly where I was going so for me, what I really began to do was I began to find out what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses. And while we thought, while we think that, you know, oh, well, that's, that's easy. No, it's not really being, and go back to your piece of authenticity, really going back to being truly honest with who I am, what I'm supposed to be doing in the world and what is my place? What am I, what do I really like? And so it's taking that time to sit down with myself. And beginning to know what I like. What do I like to eat? Do I like to listen to? Not what my husband told me, not what my mama told me, not what my grandma told me, but what I, do I really like this music? Or do I listen to this because this was what I was used to when I was a kid? And this particular music was what we listened to when we cleaned the house. But does this even make sense to me? Do I even like this music? Hmm. Or am I just listening to this because this is the, the music that I think I'm supposed to listen to? Hmm. It's, the, it's, it's the music that, that I heard. Do I even like this meal? I'm eating this meal. I'm eating this food. But it's because it was something that we grew up with. But do I like it? I realize I don't like chitlin. <laughs> My grandma made them. And they were good but I don't like them. I don't have to eat those. I don't have to eat any of this stuff because it was something that I grew up eating. I don't have to eat, you know, rabbits and squirrels and things of that nature. Now, don't get me wrong. Is, were they bad? No. My grandma cooked the mess out of them. Right. 
but I'm full grown and I can go to the grocery store and I can buy stuff. I don't have to eat this stuff if I don't want to. You know, it's so funny. And I've probably shared this on the podcast before, but I had this conversation with my brother because there are certain foods and I'm one of eight children and we were really poor. And there are certain foods that each of my siblings will refuse to ever touch because we ate so much of it. And my brother's like, no, I'm sorry. I can't smell it. I can't stomach it. I don't want to be anywhere near it. And I've figured out that's why I don't, I don't like any kind of like the juices that are considered like citrus juices that, that are for breakfast. I'm totally with you. I cannot. And I when can't. I see somebody drinking it, my throat closes. Like, yeah. what are you doing to your, you are traumatizing yourself right now. I totally agree with you. The smell of anything orange like orange scented because we were my mom used to make us drink a glass of orange juice every morning and it just was it was cheap orange juice at that so it wasn't even like the whole thing yes yes it was punch and it traumatized me and I know now as an adult I don't like it and I don't have to drink it and when people look at me like I lost my mind, I'm like, that's all right. I'm free. And I think it's all of that. I think when we think about, when we think about our traumas, when we think about, you know, how do we get free? When we think about, we, sometimes we have to go back and we have to deal with those things. We have to realize that this is something that triggers me. Yeah. That, that I, that I, I don't like this because this situation happened it doesn't make my mom wrong it doesn't make my mom bad she was doing the very best that she could do yep but I don't like it as an adult and I don't have to, I don't have to conform to that and so mm-hmm. I really think that that for me that was really the piece it was really figuring out who I was I really began to find people mentors um if you will they weren't necessarily physical mentors but those people out there that spoke to me during that time period I was listening to um, a lot of speakers that were um, really honing down into that teaching space and place. I listened to a lot of Cindy Trim at that time. Um, I still do, but at that particular point when I was really processing through this, uh, a lot of her teaching and a lot of that uh, being able to speak those mantras and being able to to command my day uh, was very important. And so it's finding those people that speak to the space and place that you're in, but also are, are lifting you um, out of that space. Because it's not about just being there, but it's about how do, I, how do I hear where I'm at, understand that, and then begin to rise out of it. And so part of my first book, South America Around I Want to Get Off, I wrote simply because it was that processing. And I wanted to tell other women and I wrote it really fast. It's really short. Um, And I'm probably actually going to go back and redo some of it, but I wrote it really fast because I just wanted to tell other women how to process through Um, and that you're not crazy. You're not, you know, I I had this little kid in my classroom who really started this and he, uh, you know, we're having this whole conversation about setting goals and being, you know, who who we want to be. And he raised his hand and he's like, what you going to do with your life? what little boy? <laughs> I have degrees. What are you talking about? I was highly offended. 
But that, that, that question just kept ringing in my mind. What am I going to do with my life? Is this really what I'm supposed to do? Yes, I know that I'm called to teach, but is this being in this eighth grade classroom what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life? Or is this just a season? Is this just a step off, jump off point for me to go and do the next thing? Hmm. So I really had to evaluate that. Am I holding on to things and spaces and places and people because I want to fix them, because I want to fix situations. And I'm holding on to broken things because I want them to be fixed. I want to be the person to fix it. I want to be in control. Going back to those core values, I had a therapist tell me, hey, find your five core values and anything that's not part of those five core, you can say no to and you can be okay with that because saying no is a hard thing for me. And so you know, and I, as I look at my wellness, as I look at that health, as I look at how do I become a whole and healthy and free woman, some of that comes with being able to say that little tiny word, no, mm. I don't have the capacity to add that to my schedule. I don't have the capacity to do that for you. And it's hard because we never want to tell people no, because we never want people to tell us no, but to be in that safe and free and healthy space I have to know my my vision I have to know my purpose I have to know what my core values are because then I have then I can know what to say no to amen amen can, do you mind me asking um what what's one of your core values and I know sometimes they change in seasons but what are one of your core values so one of my core values is competence I value competent people I value education. And so, you know, because I was a teacher so long, um, you know, there, people go, oh, well, you know, you can't say education because that's, that, that's obvious. Well, it, it's the competence of education. You know, I want, there are people that are in, there are people that are educators that are not great educators. They do it because it's, uh, it has good hours and uh, there's summers technically where you're not, you know, going to work, but you're still working. And there's, you know, there's some conveniences with, with being an educator, but everybody that teaches is not necessarily a competent person. And I value competence and that excellence that comes along with being a competent person. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. I was just having a conversation with someone about, um, what does it mean to be a writer? And (laughs) she said, you could, you could hear she was saying it through her teeth. And she said, you know, just because you can write doesn't mean you ought to be an author. And she's like, cause some words need to be filtered. And much like she was much like you were saying with competence, she's like, unless you have wisdom, which comes with the competence of how to use your words, it's dangerous for you to put them out there for public consumption. And she was like, because a lot of authors bleed on bleed on people. Yeah. They are not healed. They're just they're bleeding on the audience. And so yeah, you come out and no one is healed, no one's delivered, no one's set free from it. Right. But you're on the New York Times bestseller list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> um So I want to come back really quick to what you were saying about the journey of self-discovery. Because I know that I think we live in not just the culture, but a generation of like checklisters. 
of like, okay, tell me what to do. Give me homework. Give me my, give me three easy steps or 12 steps or eight steps. And the steps work. The steps are great. I'm not knocking the steps because it's direction, right? It's GPSing. But sometimes we can get so narrow with that, that we lose space for the Holy Spirit to come in and say, but I wanted to take you this direction. You know what right. I mean? Um, how does a person that says, well, I took a journey of self-discovery and I was doing all the things and I was checking all the boxes and I still don't know what I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> you know, um, how do they figure out what's the next step? No pun intended. What, what, what would you as a coach, how would you help them um, maybe kind of narrow down even the strengths and the weaknesses and finding a mentor and they've done all those things? What advice would you offer them? And I use the word advice kind of mm -hmm. tenderly, um, but how would you support them in that work? So then the question, the next question I would ask is, what did Holy Spirit tell you? Because at the end of the day, I can tell you, I can lead you, I can guide you in all sorts of things. But I don't know the intricacies of your real heart. I don't know what you're doing when you're away from me. I don't, you know, anybody can pretend for an hour while you're in my presence to do and say whatever, whatever it is that I'm asking you to do or say. Mm -hmm. But Holy Spirit knows you all day, every day. He knows the end from the beginning and the and the all of the in-between. And so that's always my question. What did Holy Spirit tell you? Hmm. And so we may sit sometime, and I have sat with clients in silence while what what is Holy Spirit telling you? Well, I don't know. I don't know isn't an answer. He's telling you something. Let's what have you been hearing? What have you been doing? What are the messages that you keep hearing over and over again? What are the things that keep coming back and forth to you over and over again? Because there's a message in those things. Yeah. And 90% of the time, that's the direction you're supposed to be going in. You just haven't heard it. Yeah, I love that. Um, the the book that you mentioned, um, Stop the Merry-Go-Round and Want to Get Off, and like just the title, I love it. Um, what, um, tell us a little bit about that. What did, what did you uncover or unpack in the book? Well, for me, it was, what I realized is that, and I use the meta metaphor of a merry-go-round because we've all been on one before. And, you know, the merry-go-round, you're going around, you get mesmerized by the music. You are going up and down and you feel like you're going someplace, but you're really just going in that same doggone circle that you've been going on. <laughs> and it's just like the children of Israel. They wandered for 40 years. You're going to tell me that in that time that they were wandering, they didn't see this tree and go, dang, I wrote my name on this like 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> like every time I walk by, every time I come by this, this, this same tree, I put a notch in it. Like there's like a whole bunch of notches. Like you're going to tell me that didn't happen. Come on now. 40 years, we wandered in the same wilderness. We mm. wandered in what was supposed to be 11 day journey for 40 doggone years. Mm. So there is a space and place in which if we're honest, we've been going around and around this merry-go-round. The music has us. And uh, when are we going to just say, stop, turn it off, turn off the music and just get off and get ourselves refocused. 
I love it. You know, it's funny is even when you said stop the merry-go-round, I didn't even visually see the carnival merry-go-round. I saw the one on the school playground. That, that you fly off of. <laughs> <laughs> the rusty, dusty. I probably got lead poisoning because I was holding on for dear life. <laughs> and screaming stop the merry-go-round I want to get off like that's what I saw and all I saw was like and even just to hear you explain it that way of like we could be mesmerized by the whoa this is awesome and the music and the lights and I hear people clapping and having fun I'm gonna stay here or we could very well be on the rusty dusty just I literally just had a conversation with with um my husband and my daughter just like over this weekend and I said I can remember being on that merry-go-round and flying off yes like liable to lose a tooth or break a bone or something and and I love I love merry-go-round horses Mm -hmm. and I mean to the point that like the childlike wonder in me could sit on a merry-go-round and see the different characters that are on the different rides um, and just go in this like Alice in Wonder, uh, Wonderland world on a merry-go-round. And yes. to your point of, I didn't go anywhere. Right. But while I was there, I went somewhere. Yeah. And years ago, I got to visit the merry-go-round museum in Ohio. Hmm. And I was sadly disappointed because the magic and the wonder that happens when you're on the merry-go-round is gone. Mm. When you're there standing in front of just this still horse, they're still beautiful. And I still was like, oh my God. And I still have a little desktop trinket of one, but it doesn't carry the same wonder while I was in it, Mm -hmm. which is like could preach itself. Right. You know, and I remember looking and thinking, what was I so mesmerized by? Mm-hmm. It felt like <laughs> the Wizard of Oz, like. Which is why they're kind of, which, which is why they're geared towards kids. But by the same thing, we, the illusion of it, because, mm. you know, because there's the mirrors yeah. in the middle, you know, you've got those mirrors and those mirrors are trick mirrors mm. and the illusion of it is the problem because there is an illusion for women that this woman over here, the CEO over here, this, this woman that looks like she's got it all together, that everything is fine. Hmm. But I can, I can be wearing, you know, Christian Louboutins and I can have a, you know, a Gucci bag and I can have a, you know, St. John suit on and still be getting my behind kicked at home. Hmm. I can have a six figure you know, uh, a salary and still have a child that's on drugs. Hmm. So the illusion of having it all together, that illusion of going places, even though I'm, I'm on the same ride as everybody else. We all on the same merry-go-round. Wow. We might be high, you know, you know we might be doing this, but we're right. all on the same doggone ride. Right. We, you might be at a different place, you got on a little bit before I did. So I, I maybe got the, the white horse and you got the brown horse or you got the black horse. But at the end of the day, we're all on the same ride. 
and we have to stop and decide. I don't want to continue to hear this music. I don't want to continue to be in this illusion. I want to stop and I want to figure out what is my real direction? Hmm. My real direction. I mean, it just reminds me when my kids were little, much to what you just said, our perception of like seeing what's happening, the assumption that, no, that's what I want. I really want to do that. Our kids were little and we took them to an amusement park and my oldest son, we convinced him that he would want to be on the merry-go-round. And Mm -hmm. so he bought it, he got on it and it started going and he yelled at the top of his lungs, this is not fun. Get me off this thing. And to this day, he's 27 years old. And he's like, yep, I don't mess with carnival rides. I have no desire. And it just, I don't know. It just puts me in the mindset of like, we see it. And mm-hmm. like you said, we make the assumption that that's what I want mm-hmm. because we see the pomp and circumstance of it, but we don't, we don't know what it's going to be like for us. So <clears throat> we have to be willing to not buy the, you know, the sell tactics of what, you know, someone else tries to convince us to get. But if you think about it, what, what is a carnival? I mean, you know, there, it, when you go to a carnival, there's the, there's this whole pieces of, you know, these carnival barkers and why are they out there? Why are they yelling at you? Why are they trying to convince you to come over to this space and place? Because they're trying to sell you this idea. And yeah. the, I think that's where the, most of us as women, where we really get in our depression, where we get into our feelings, where we get into these, these cycles, we get into our head because we are, we've, we are being sold that, you know, this, this right here is the best, this, come to this, come to this and, and you can get this prize and you can get this and you can do all these things. That's why we want to be able to check the boxes because we believe if we check the boxes, then we will, we will have all the right answers. But at the end of the day, the only real right answer is Holy Spirit. So when you said, you know, hey, people look at it and they assume that it's going to be this way, but it may not be that way. I think that that's the way it is with ministry. You know, there are people that'll go that think that there is so much glitz and glamour with ministry. But at the end of the day, I have to pay a price to be where I'm at. Hmm. I have to pay a price to be able to do the things that I do, to be able to to speak into people's lives. There is a price to pay for that. Hmm. Yeah. Anytime you do ministry, whatever that ministry is, there is a price to pay for that so that we go through, we are, we are refined in the fire so that we become pure gold. And so that processing, there is a process to it to be refined so that you are able to, and you have the trust and you have the ability to to speak into the life of someone else. Yeah, man, I was, just hearing you talk about that it's just that whole idea of FOMO like the fear of missing out of well everybody else my age or all the other women that I studied with or she just published a book or she had a speaking opportunity and and we want what they have even if we say well no I don't want what she's got Mm -hmm. we do and it doesn't and here's the key it doesn't even matter how much you're already doing you still want what they've got you can be balling out you can have things going really well in your life you know all of your all of your eyes can be dotted your t's can be crossed but that one person 
that you see that is doing something just, you know, two steps in front of you. You're like, oh, should I be doing that? Oh, you know, should I? To me, and, and my husband has really, you know, he's taken this time to just be like, he doesn't get on social media anymore, except to go on to like, he's got these couple of groups that he goes into, which all have to do with RV life. And so, you know, he, he's in this space and place where we're going to, we're starting to do this RV thing. And so that's all he does. He'll get on there. He'll watch, you know, go on to the RV group and see what they're talking about or go into the farming group and see what they're talking about. But other than that, he doesn't get on Facebook. And um, he said, one of the things that he understood was that once he stopped looking at and comparing himself and seeing what other people were doing and seeing what other people were saying, he was like, it's been freeing. Mm. I haven't found that freedom, but I don't also think that so for me, social media, um, for the most part, isn't a problem, but I will say that social media does create some of those things mm-hmm. because you see the illusion. The illusion becomes uh, right in your room, right in your hand. Now you're seeing this and you're like, well, dang, right. they started after me, but you don't know that they started after you. You just started seeing them on Facebook after you. Right. But they could have been in the grind for 20 years. Right. 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 You don't know just because they just all of a sudden popped up. They didn't all of a sudden you just found out about them, right? It is the, the old, um, I think it's LL, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. <laughs> exactly. You know? And I think sometimes that's the problem, you know, is that we see somebody and we, you know, because we are just now exposed to them, we assume that they just, you know, how are you just going to pop up on the scene? No, sis, I've been doing, I've been in the trenches. Yeah. Grinding, doing the dirty work. Now there is a piece of shine, but don't let it fool you. Hmm. Don't let it, don't let it fool you. Yeah. I mean, it's the old adage of like, you might want the life that you see they currently have, but you don't know what they went through to get where they are. Not even, not just the grind, but you don't know the heartache. And you don't know the loss and the shame and the guilt and the tears and the pain and the rejections. We and just want that price. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, man. Okay. We're going to wrap this up. Um, I've been asking all of the guests. Um, we use the hashtag adjust your focus. And the interesting thing is we were using the word focus before the year 2020, but in 2020, everybody was like, yes, 2020 focus is like, not really, but okay. Um, (laughs) So I've been asking people between 2020 and now, what has God used to help you adjust your focus? Because in 2020, we all is like, he sat us all down and helped us adjust our focus on the same level field. Everybody Mm -hmm. got the same thing. Mm -hmm. But what we did with it after the fact determines, determined and is still determining where our focus really is. Um, So what what do you think, and you don't have to name all the things or even one thing, but what is something that you've noticed, you had mentioned earlier of like, kind of pay attention to the messages that rise up from the Holy Spirit. Um, what do you think is something that he has used to help you adjust your focus in the last few years? 
so I, I would say over the pandemic, one of that was when I got the whole piece of purpose and passion. Um, and so th- that was my theme was igniting your purpose and your passion and your praise. So there is a piece in which when my purpose and my passion are aligned, then I am able to give an uninhibited praise for the things that have come forth and the things that I have been afforded the opportunity to be a part of. Mm. And so that really has been just to really ignite. And so I have not been able to really get past that of just really being stuck to and focused on um, that sheer, what is your purpose, your passion? And then as you understand that purpose and passion, allowing that praise to come forth because we know that our God is, is absolutely, absolutely inhabits the praises of his people. And so when we are, when we are in gratitude, we don't have time to be in pity. Amen. Amen. I love that. All right. One last question. Um, anybody that knows me knows that music is my love language. Um, so if you, were to identify a song for this current season for you, what song would that be? Golden. Jill Scott Golden? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I had to just check because, you know, so many songs have the same titles. I get it and I feel it. Um, It popped up on one of my playlists the other day and I cranked it up. (laughs) <laughs> and like went into a you talk about an unhindered praise I went into a full out praise on that song yeah I love it I love it I'm gonna put a link to the Spotify for that song in the show notes well Michelle I appreciate you I can feel the passion that you have for wanting to see people rise up um and it's just it's beautiful to know that there are women like you Um, who are willing to turn back and pull the next person up versus say, oh, honey, you don't want to know what I, what it took for me to get where I got. It would take you a whole lifetime. So good luck with yours. Like, you know what (laughs) I mean? Cause that just is so, uh, it's so off-putting, but, and it happens too much in Christian circles. Yeah. Too much. And it, and it just like, we were talking at church recently about um, reviving Titus II ministries, that mm-hmm. there aren't enough churches. And this, an older lady said this to me. She said, there aren't enough churches who realize that there's still a need for Titus II ministry. And she slid her hand up and said, I'll go first. I want to mm-hmm. pour into somebody and I'm standing there with my hand, like you can take me, you can pour into me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I'm going to, I'm going to c- call her up and take her up on that offer. And the crazy thing is she has a daughter and a granddaughter, mm-hmm. but she's ready to pour into someone else outside of her family. And I think of how many women are without what you said, the spiritual doulas and the spiritual midwives. And, and sometimes our parents don't want to hear it because they've, because they've known our life. So we may be in a space and place right now where we can be helpful to another woman, but because our children have lived with us hmm. and they've seen us go through the ebbs and flows of life, That's they good. don't necessarily listen um, to that space and place. They don't value it until they get away from it. 
I love that. I love that. There you go, y'all. Somebody heard that and it just spoke to the, yeah, but she just knocked that excuse down. <laughs> um, well, again, I appreciate you and I appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, I will drop show notes um, or links in the show notes to be able to find Michelle in all the places as well as links to her books. Um, I'm grateful for you. Um, and I know I'm grateful for you. I, I, you know, there are so many things that you drop and I'm matter of fact, there was that when you were dropping that whole piece, uh, the last week, I was like, oh, okay, let me, let me, let me stay like this so I can come back to it. Cause this is whole, I, I'm getting ready to do a series on stress. And I was like, oh, let me, let me, let me come back to this. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> we are, and I haven't even mentioned this on the, on the show, but we're working on putting together um, a women's event mm -hmm. on healing the parts of our bodies that we didn't know needed healing. Mm. And so when you started talking about the womb healing, I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> I knew you were going to do something crazy. Um, so y'all will hear from this woman again and again and again. Um, even I just love the the name of your nonprofit, Sisters Can We Talk, because I am my sister's keeper and God just keeps reminding me. And that's why we call it that, because at the end of the day, we need to just come together and have these conversations. Because, you know, when I really first birthed, it was, I had young ladies, we did young life for a really long time. And mm -hmm. I, you know, they, when they graduated from high school, you know, they were no longer a part of young life. And so I had all these girls that were saying, you know, but this, I'm not ready to be a woman. I don't know what it means to be a woman. And then I started having these programs and I had 30 and 40 year olds show up and they were like, girl, I don't know this either. And mm -hmm. so it was just about having these, these sister girl conversations about, you know, what was going on. I mean, even in the womb healing, someone stood up and said, we are, we as the body of Christ are judgmental to people that get abortions, but those sisters need healing. Yeah. And how can we just leave them out there if right. we're supposed to be the body of Christ? Right. You know, one of those kind of things. Listen, and so it was, it, it, that was how it came. It's just to have those those sisterly conversations, those conversations that you were supposed to have with your mom, your auntie, your grandma, that you're not having. And because we're not having those conversations, people go to the world and they don't come to the church and they don't get good sound wisdom. Right. Uh, so anyway. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Okay. Um, there's like four <laughs> other episodes off of that one conversation. <laughs> All right, y'all, I am signing off for real this time. Right. And I really hope that this message has helped you to adjust your focus. And until we um, get to talk again, take care, live free and love people well.